At Gospel Community Church, our mission is to know the Bible, share life with others, and bring hope to our city and the world. You're listening to the Gospel Community Church Sermons Podcast, where we go through books of the Bible, verse by verse and line by line, to hear the truth that God's Word has to encourage, discipline, and bless us in our daily lives. Happy Easter, Gospel Community Church! Well, if we've not had the opportunity to meet, my name is Kurt McDonald. I'm one of the pastors here at the church, and this morning in particular, it is my great privilege to bring to you God's holy, inspired, and inerrant word. May he add his blessing to it. Some 2,000 years ago, a first century Galilean peasant entered into Jerusalem to share the Passover meal with his disciples. He was a teacher, he was a rabbi, and this man named Jesus claimed to be God. His disciples had seen him heal the sick, his disciples had seen him cast out demons and raise the dead and walk on water. This man, Jesus, uh, to say the least, had severely upset the religious and the political system, and so he was arrested and was accused and brought up on charges uh, that were false. And what happened to this man is that he was sentenced to death. He was given an excruciating death on a cross called crucifixion. Six-inch spikes were driven through his hands and through his feet, and there he hung on a cross for six hours, and he died, and they laid him in a tomb. And so for those followers of Jesus, Friday, that day that he died, was a terrible, awful day. But church family, Sunday, Sunday was on the way. Sunday was on the way. His body lay in a tomb, lifeless, motionless. His heart did not beat. His lungs did not fill with air. He was dead, and the entire universe waited with bated breath to see what would happen Next, and by the official decree of God the Father, his heart began to beat, his lungs filled with air, and he got up and he walked out of the grave. But he didn't walk out of the grave with the same type of body he went in the grave. That body that was beaten and broken and bloodied and bruised had had transformed. It it had become a new resurrection body, a body that was made for a forever kingdom, a, a forever place where he would rule and reign. It was a brand new body. And, and so he shows himself to his disciples for 40 days. For 40 days, he's there with them in this resurrected body. They saw him. They touched him. They ate with him. He prayed with them. He led them in a Bible study. He, he was showing them that he truly had resurrected from the grave. He was not only seen by his disciples, but 500 people, over 500 people saw him alive and resurrected. There he was. And at this very moment, he is seated at the right hand of the Father, ruling and reigning over all the universe. And so today we celebrate. We celebrate because He is alive. He is alive and He is the true treasure. He is alive and He is of surpassing worth. He is alive and He's the righteousness from God. He is alive and He's the ultimate prize. He alone supplies true wealth in a forever kingdom. He is alive. He is the resurrection and he alone has resurrection power. And so my hope today is that you've come this resurrection morning to do serious business with God. 
I know many of you are here because maybe your, your grandchild or a cousin or a friend was on stage and you came to watch the kids sing and that's great. Or, or maybe you're here today because a friend of yours or a family member is going to be baptized and I'm glad you're here, but I also hope that you have come this morning to do serious heart business with God. That's my hope and that's my desire this morning. I, I want to know if you'd be willing to answer these questions in your heart. Here they are. It's, it's three questions, but it's really one question, and here it is. What are you living for? What is the aim of your life? And is it a worthy target? What's, what's the aim of your life, and is it a worthy target? What, what is it that I ultimately and truly value and is that thing worth it? Is, is the thing that your life shows that you really value, is that thing actually valuable? Have you ever even really considered this question? What is, what is your life about? What is it that you're living for? The truth is we're all living for something. Every single person in this room is living for something. And that thing that you are living for shows what you value. Are y'all with me? The, the thing, every single person in this room is pressing towards something, is moving in a direction. Your, your life, even, even those that seem aimless in their life, they are living for something. They, they might not know what it is, but they're living for something. Everybody, everyone is living for something. And the question is, is that thing that you're living for, is it worth it? Is it of true value? And have you ever really considered this question, my goal this morning is I want to walk us through this text. That, that's what we do here at Gospel Community Church. We preach through text. We preach through books of the Bible. And so we're going to take this section of text today, verse by verse, line by line. And my goal today is to show you this. I want you to see that only Jesus is worth a life's devotion because he alone has resurrection power. It's only Jesus. Only Jesus is worth a life's devotion. You can give your life to a million things. There's, there's endless things out there that you can give your life to. We live in a world full of people that are pursuing wealth and fame and power and fortune and career and, and family and name it. You name it. That we're surrounded by these people who are chasing after this thing. But only Jesus, only Jesus is worthy of a life's devotion. Why is he the only one that's worthy of the life's devotion? Well, because he's the only one that has resurrection power. And so here's what I want us to see in our text today. Here it is. This is our outline. This is how we'll be looking at this text today. First, I want us to see the surpassing worth of Christ. The surpass. That, that's what Paul says in the text. He, he says that Jesus is of surpassing worth, more valuable than anything else. Secondly, we'll... We'll see this, the surpassing worth of righteousness from God. <laughs> not, not our righteousness as if we actually had any. <laughs> but this, this righteousness that comes from God. Thirdly, thirdly and lastly, can y'all believe I got three points today? I never have three points. I got three points today, y'all. Here we go. Thirdly, the surpassing worth of resurrection power and suffering with purpose. Suffering with purpose. Well, that's what we're going to see today. That's, that's going to be our guiding line through the text. 
Let's look at it together. Y'all ready? First, the surpassing worth of Christ in verses 7 and 8. Paul begins this way. He says, but whatever gain I had, well, what gain did he have? Well, well, Paul explains what gain he had. And in order for us to understand this gain, which he, which he explains to us, we must understand the culture and the context of what the Apostle Paul is speaking into. This is a very religious uh, culture. This is a very uh, religious society. And Saul of Tarsus, this man, Paul, was on the inside track to becoming the most influential religious leader of his day. Like, like every, like if, if he had a podcast, everybody, everybody subscribe to the Apostle Paul's podcast. He, he is speaking at the conferences. He's got the book deals. Um, he, he is on this inside track trained by one of the most prominent rabbis of the day named Gamaliel. I mean, he is the star child just ready to rocket into outer space. That, that is what that is what he has. And as a matter of fact, he lists all of those accomplishments. We won't look at them all, but if you just let your eyes go backwards in the text, you'll see in verses 5 and 6 there, his list of accomplishments. He was uh, a Hebrew of Hebrews. As to the law, a Pharisee. As to zeal, a persecutor of the church. As to righteousness under the law, blame. You know, he, just, he lists all of those things. And then he says, I count all of that. Everything that I had gained, I count all. All of that as loss. He, he's saying that his aim in life, if you read that list of accomplishments, you will see his aim in life. You will see what target he was aiming his life at. You will see what he valued. And what he valued was respect from the religious community. That's what his life showed. He wanted to please God through obeying all of the rules. That's what his life showed. And what he says here is, I counted it as a loss for the sake of Christ. This is accounting terms is, is what he's saying. He's saying everything that I had in the credit column, I have now moved it over into the debit column. All of these positives in verses 5 and 6, all these positives here, I turned them into negatives. I counted them as loss. Now, he takes it even further because it's not just his religious accomplishments, which he counts as loss for the sake of Christ. He counts everything. Look at verse 8. Indeed, I count everything. Somebody say everything. Everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Paul is saying, I'm like the man who found the treasure in the field. Do you remember that parable Jesus tells about the man who finds the treasure in the field and in his joy he goes and sells everything so that he can go buy the field? That's what Paul is saying. I, I went and sold everything. I, I count everything as loss. Why? Because of the surpassing worth. There it is. The surpassing worth of what? Knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. What does that mean? Why is this so valuable to him? Well, certainly this isn't some type of uh, just being cognitively aware of uh, a first century Galilean rabbi teacher. It's like, yes, I know that he exists, and that is what is so important to me. It's way more than that, church family. What is worth so much to Paul is knowing, knowing. That this, this idea in the Bible, again, is not just a cognitive awareness, but it is a deep relationship. 
That's what's valuable to Paul. This deep relationship. That's why he says, knowing, knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. You see, we can, we can know of historical figures in the past, George Washington, Abraham Lincoln, but we certainly don't have an intimate relationship with them. But that's what Paul is saying here. He, he's saying what is so worthy, what is of surpassing worth to him is knowing Christ Jesus. But then look at this last phrase there. Knowing Christ Jesus, my what? Lord. So there is this deep, affectionate relationship that Paul values with Jesus over everything else, knowing him, but he knows him as his Lord, meaning he obeys him with his whole life. Meaning, what do we do with our finances? Well, they belong to Jesus. What, what about my marriage? Is my marriage all about me? No, my marriage belongs to Jesus. What do we do with all these kids? Well, we raise them up and point them to Jesus because Jesus is our Lord. He's our leader. Whatever he says goes. We, we filter all of life through his teachings and what he has to say. We, we consider him in everything that we do. He, he is uh, essentially um, glasses on my face, that saying. Meaning everything that I see, I see through these lenses. Jesus is that same way. Everything that we see, we see through that lens, the lens of the gospel of Jesus Christ and his good work on the cross. That is what is of surpassing worth to the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul's view of what the world has to offer is dull, dim, bland, and empty compared to his relationship with Jesus Christ. He is absolutely enamored with Jesus and nothing can draw him away from his Savior. Nothing is as sweet. There is no greater treasure for him. Nothing is as captivating as Jesus. That's what, that's what Paul is saying. Now look at what he has to say next because it's more shocking. He says, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I might gain Christ. So at first he was saying, I consider all of this, I consider my life and everything that I've accomplished, I consider that as, as negative. Everything that I gain, I think about it that way is what he's saying. That's, that's the way I think about my life. But here he's saying, I have suffered. It's, it's not just I consider it, but he's actually done it. Do you know the story of the life of the Apostle Paul and what he endured for the cause of Christ? Beaten on multiple occasions, shipwrecked. They, they literally threw stones at him and tried to kill him. I mean, he was chased out of town. He was thrown in jail. I mean, is anybody out on that? I'm like, no, no thanks. The, the dude on a missionary journey gets off a boat, starts a fire, a snake comes out and bites him in the hand. All for the cause of Christ. And he says that every single thing that he endured, every beating, every shipwreck, everything, every, every time he was thrown in jail, every time they kicked him out of a town, he said every single bit of it was worth it. It was worth it. I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish church family, this, this is not a Sunday morning word, okay? <laughs> this, this word rubbish, um, in, in the Greek, the, the word is skubalon. So uh, feel free to substitute that word um, next time you stump your toe in front of your kids. It'll be helpful to you. Th this word is, is really, in the, it's an explicative word. He, he's, he's using very strong language. 
The, the King James Bible translates this word dung. It, it, it means rubbish, dung, waste, excrement. That's, that's what he's saying uh, about all of the things. It's, it's very profane. And so some might look at the life of the Apostle Paul and, and say, you, you had, come on, Paul, you had such a bright future. The world was in the palm of your hand, but now just look at you. You're, you're in jail and you have no money and all of the, your, your Jewish colleagues think that you're insane. Like, what, 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 what gives here, Paul? This does not make any sense. And Paul would say every last second of it was worth it because I have Christ. Did you see that very last part there where he says, I count them as rubbish in order that I might gain Christ. He wants to know Christ. He wants to gain Christ. Now, just as a point of clarification, he's not saying that nothing in life matters. So for clarification, he's not saying that family and friends and church and careers and all that stuff is absolutely meaningless. Become a monk, live in the woods, you know, and just focus on Jesus until he returns. That's not what he's saying at all. But he's saying by comparison, nothing compares with Christ. Nothing compares with knowing him. Nothing compares with gaining him. He is the true treasure. He is of surpassing, of surpassing worth. Now, here's what I want you to see. All of Paul's efforts to know him, all of Paul's efforts to gain him would be totally pointless if Jesus is still in the grave. How can, how can you know him if he's still in the grave? Well, you can know about him just as we can study historical figures and know about them, but we can't truly know him. So he has to, which Paul saw with his own eyes, the resurrected Christ. He knows that Jesus is alive. He knows that Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. He knows that Jesus is ruling over the entire universe as we speak right now and is bending all things to his will. Amen, somebody. And so he can know him. He can gain him because he is alive. And so Paul's life was absolutely not wasted. It was a life aimed at a worthy target. If you're taking notes. This is our challenge today. Radically reorient your life around Jesus because he's worthy. He, he's worthy. He's worthy of your devotion. He's worthy of your dedication. He's worthy of your time. He's worthy of your talent. He's worthy of your thoughts. He's worthy of you getting into his word and ingesting it and living in it and living it out. He's worthy of you sharing his story with the lost. He's worthy of you teaching your children about him. He's worthy, church family. And so we must radically reorient our life around him. Isn't this what happened to the Apostle Paul? His life was aimed this way, and he, he has this, this encounter with Christ, and he surpassingly reorients his whole life around Jesus. Secondly, we're going to see the surpassing worth of righteousness from God. Verse 9. So he wants to know him and gain him and, him and be found in him. He, he wants to know him. He wants to gain him, and he wants to be found in him. What, why, does, why does he say found? What, what's going on? Well, he's pointing us to this eschatological future. 
that this end Christ. Not that the return of Christ comes and there he will be found in Christ. Not found uh, trying to cover himself with all of his religious works. He's already said that that's excrement. He, he doesn't want to be found in that. He wants to be found in Christ when Christ returns. That, that's what he's saying. And he, he moves us on to show us even more value in Christ. Look at what he says. And to be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. Can I tell you something this morning, church family? Y'all are a bunch of sinners. In God's word, and y'all, including me, the standard has been set in God's word, and every single one of us have failed. We have not measured up. Uh, listen, the Apostle Paul was way more religious than any of y'all. How about this? All y'all put together would still not be as religious as the Apostle Paul. And what he's saying is, out of all my religiosity, I could not find a righteousness of my own. So righteousness, that word, that word meaning right standing with God. That's what righteousness is, right standing, a right relationship with God. And through all of his efforts, through all of his scripture memorization, through all of his piety, uh, through all of that, he still could not have a righteousness of his own. He could not measure up. He discovered that in his life, and that's why he does this. And so, church family, you need to know that you are a sinner just like me and that God demands righteousness, and we don't have that righteousness and God also punishes sinners. We are sinners, and God punishes sinners. Happy Easter. <laughs> and so what are we to do if we realize that we are sinners and that God punishes sinners? How, how, how can we, and, and we look at the Apostle Paul, and he was way more religious than all of us. What are we to do? Church family, you cannot memorize enough Bible verses. You cannot attend enough church services. You cannot give enough money. You cannot dig enough wells for the thirsty or feed enough people who are hungry to earn or merit right standing with God. You can't do it. What we need is an alien righteousness. I'm not talking about little green men. I'm talking about a righteousness that is outside of ourselves. We need something else. We need someone else to do for us what we could not do for ourselves. That's where Jesus comes in. He lived the perfect life. He died the death that we should have died in our place for our sins. And by placing our faith on him, what happens is he takes our sin onto himself and crucifies it on the cross. And he gives to us, he imputes, he gives to us his perfect life of obedience to the Father. And in that grave, when he was buried, he was buried because he was showing that he had defeated our sin. He had defeated death and Satan. And by resurrecting from the grave, when the father brought him back to life, was showing the receipt that the bill had been paid. Your bill has been paid this morning, church family. Not only has the bill been paid, but to your account has been accredited an infinite amount of righteousness. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Jesus Christ. Listen to this. He continues, the righteousness, here it is, from God that depends on faith. Isn't that surprising that 
the, the faith here is not dependent on us. It can't be. This is a righteousness from God. This is an alien righteousness. This is a righteousness that is outside of us. It, it's a treasure. It, it, what, what we're seeing here is that this treasure here is a treasure that you receive. It's a treasure that is given. It is from God. It cannot be earned. Just ask the Apostle Paul. He was not searching for the treasure when he received it on the road to Damascus. The, the ultimate treasure found him. And so it's a righteousness outside of us. It's a righteousness from God, if you're taking notes. Jesus is of surpassing worth because he is the fulfillment of what God requires. <laughs> there should have been three or four amens on that one. I'll give you some. God says, here is the standard. We cannot meet the standard. And he says, okay, I'll give you someone who can. So what God demands from us, listen, he also supplies. <laughs> what God demands, he supplies to us because he knows that we could never do it ourselves. Okay, thirdly and last point of our outline. The surpassing worth, here's what I want us to see, the surpassing worth of resurrection power and suffering with purpose. I, I, I picked this text. I wanted to preach this text this morning to get to verse 10. It, I, I am all about verse 10 this morning. I am fired up. Easter Sunday, verse 10, Philippians chapter 3. Are y'all with me? Look at what it says. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection. He, he wants to gain him. He wants to know him. He wants to know him. And he also wants to know the power of of his resurrection. And so let our minds go back 2,000 years, the murdered and mutilated body of Jesus placed in the tomb. There is no breath in him. His heart has stopped beating. His blood has stopped pumping. His eyes are hollow and still. And then power from on high comes over him and he lives and he passes through these old grave clothes and he rolls the stone away and he steps out in victory that power is the power that the Apostle Paul wants to know. So, so it, is, it is resurrection power is the power of God the Father used to bring Jesus back to life. Okay, a, a few are y'all still with me? A few thoughts on this. So, so think three points under, under section three. First, we experience this resurrection power at conversion. If you're here this morning, church family, if you are here and you are a Christian, you have experienced resurrection power because you were dead in your trespasses and sins. I'll just read it, Ephesians 2, 5. We were dead in our trespasses and sins, but we were made alive or resurrected spiritually together with Christ. So we, we have, if you're here this morning and you're a Christian, you, you need to do five jumping jacks, Holler, amen, run around this building five times because you have experienced resurrection power. That, that's, look, y'all, that, I got a tie on today. I'm fired up. And, and we need to be. We need to be filled with excitement, enthusiasm because of what Jesus has done. He, he has infused into us resurrection power. But that's not all. That's not all. Secondly, we continue to experience it throughout the Christian life. This, this resurrection power. 
it comes to us again and again and again and again. Let me just read to you from Ephesians chapter 1, verses 19 through 20. Y'all, are, you're not going to believe it. it, it it's incredible what, what the Apostle Paul has to say. And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe? Do you believe this morning? If you believe, this is for you. According to the work of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand of the heavenly places. He's saying that that immeasurable power, the power that brought Jesus back from the grave, that is the power at work in you. (laughs) This, This is incredible. It means believer that it didn't just happen at your conversion, but you continue on in your Christian life with this resurrection power. It means that your existence as a Christian is supernatural. As you struggle against Satan, as you struggle against sin, as you struggle against the desires of the world, any victory that you have over those things is because of infused resurrection power. Thirdly, we will experience this power upon his final return. We have resurrection power at conversion. We experience this resurrection power as, as, we, as we go through the Christian life and put sin to death and become more like Christ. And then finally, and fully, and completely, we will experience the fullness of this resurrection power when Jesus returns. And he gives us all resurrection bodies that can be with him forever in his kingdom, ruling and reigning forever. Amen. Amen. Praise, praise his name. To be sure, Paul does not just want power for power's sake. He wants all of Christ. He wants all of Christ. So much so that the Apostle Paul is willing to go down the Via Della Rosa the way of suffering, the path of pain. Which is why he says that is resurrection power and, and what? Well, there it is. To share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. Do you know what that means, church family? Do do you understand what Paul is saying? Paul is not just wanting a get out of hell free card. Absolutely not. He wants all of Christ to experience all of him. What, what, is this, what does this mean? How do we share in the sufferings of Christ becoming like him in his death? Well, we certainly cannot become like him in his death in the sense that our death, our spiritual death can save anyone, nor is he suggesting that we go out and suffer for suffering's sake. That's not what he's saying at all. He's saying just as Christ's suffering and death was the ultimate gift and blessing to others, so our suffering and daily dying is to be a blessing for others. And that in doing so, in living an others-oriented life, that's what Jesus did. He lived an others-oriented life, which is painful, by the way. By doing that day by day, we are daily dying, and in that, we are becoming more like him. And that's what Paul wants more than anything else. Paul is saying that daily dying, an others-oriented way of living, that, that laying down of self and being for other people, loving other people, serving 
other people is a daily dying, but he says there's resurrection power day by day. And as you do that, you become more like him. You know him in a deeper, deeper way. Church family, I wonder, I wonder what you do when things are painful. The Apostle Paul here is giving us a way to suffer with purpose. What do you do when things are difficult, when life seems to be falling apart, when the doctor says it's cancer, when your child calls you from jail, when it's a miscarriage, when they foreclose, when you're fired, when someone you love dies? What do you do when you suffer? Do you just tell yourself it's going to get better? What if it doesn't get better? What if it gets worse and then you die? What then, church family, the the hope and the good news that if Jesus came back from the dead, then his promises are true and he is going to wipe away every tear from every eye and there will be no more sin, no more shame, no more crying, no more suffering. And all of the suffering that we have experienced will never be wasted. He will use it for our good and for his glory. That is suffering with a purpose. So that's what is of surpassing worth last verse and i'm out of your hair here we go he says this that by any means possible i may attain the resurrection from the dead now the apostle paul here is not doubting his salvation (laughs) Uh, as a matter of fact if you wanted to you could let your eyes uh, just go ahead and move on to verse 12 where the apostle paul declares that he is owned by christ he knows that that jesus is his savior But what he's saying here is, is that with his life, he is going to aim it at Christ because Christ is a worthy target. That that by any means possible, I might attain. He's saying, I'm going to keep on pressing. I'm going to keep on going. I'm going to radically orient my life around Jesus, is what he is saying, so that when he returns, I'll be raised up with him. That's exactly what Paul is saying. And so please write this down, church family. This is, this is the whole point. If you've missed everything, this is the whole point of the sermon. One point, here it is. Only Jesus is worthy of a life's devotion. Why? Because he alone has resurrection power. Your hobby does not have resurrection power. Your career does not have resurrection power. Your spouse does not have resurrection power. Your kids do not have resurrection power. Only Jesus has resurrection power, which is why he is the only one who is worthy of a life's devotion. That's, that's, all, that's all I wanted to say. That's, that's the whole sermon. And so let me ask you again. I ask you at the beginning, what are you living for? What are you living for? Are you here this morning? I pray that you are. Are you here to do serious work with God? Are you here to ask your heart a serious question? What am I living for? What is, what is my life aimed at? And, it, and is, it, is it a worthy target? What is it that I ultimately and truly value? And is it worth it? when King Jesus returns and establishes his forever kingdom, or when you die and see him face to face, will what you did in this life prove that he is of surpassing worth to you? That's the question that we all must answer. He's worthy. He's worthy. He's worthy. I'll close with the words of Christ. Here they are from Matthew 13, 
44 through 46. Listen to the way Jesus speaks about his own surpassing worth. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, in his joy, in his joy, church family, in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has, meaning he counted everything that he had as loss, just like the Apostle Paul. He goes and sells everything he has and buys the field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls who on finding a pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and bought it. Why? Because Jesus is worthy. Listen, church family, don't waste your life. Don't waste your life. Let's pray together. Oh God, we pray to you because you are alive. You are the risen king who has conquered Satan, sin, death, and demons. Oh God, we call out to you because you hear our prayer. You are not in the grave. Uh, You listen to us when we call out to you. And so this morning, I pray that there would be hearts in this room doing serious work with you, serious evaluation of their life and what their priorities are and what their goals are. And we would see, Lord, that you are the only one worthy, the only one worthy of a life's devotion. Lord, because you alone have resurrection power, you have proven it to us time and time again. And so, Lord, let us radically reorient our lives around you, the risen King. Pray this, all these things in the mighty and powerful name risen King Jesus. Thanks for listening. Feel free to share the contents of this podcast, but please do not alter it in any way without permission. Please like, follow, and subscribe to us on Facebook or iTunes. Visit gospelcc.com for more content like this. At Gospel Community Church, our mission is to know the Bible, share life with others, and bring hope to our city and the world. Thanks again and have a blessed day.